So we're taping this podcast on a Thursday, and did you notice that today's weather was a little cool? I do think it dropped 20 or 30 degrees, and that sounds like a great time for a cup of coffee. We're talking about a cup of coffee from Boyers. We're so happy to have Boyers on board as one of our sponsors because they are a Colorado company and a wonderful company at that with fantastic coffee flavors. I like hazelnut. There's French vanilla. There's that Denver blend, a butterscotch toffee. The list goes on and on and on. If you want to just go pick up a bag at your local grocers, just head to Safeway or Walmart or Sam's Club or King Supers, wherever you get your coffee. Another reminder, if you're in the area, head over to 73rd in Washington. I'm there all the time. Pick up a bag of coffee or get an Americano or a cup of coffee at their mobile coffee cart. It's at 73rd and Washington. You can't miss it. Boyer's Coffee at the store or go to boyerscoffee.com. Three cups today because it was a little cooler. Hey, the good folks at Steel are a company built on real power. S-T-I-H-L, tools built for real people and dealers who deliver real service, over 9,000 dealers around the country. And because it's fall, there's a lot of leaves that have fallen. And I took my blower out to get uh, all those leaves away from my front entrance way. And it worked wonders. Mine is battery operated, but they have gasoline. They have electric as well. They're the official handheld outdoor power equipment of the Colorado Rockies. I love their stuff. It is outstanding. You will as well. Go to your local steel dealer, S-T-I-H-L, Find your local steel dealer to find, again, gas, electric, and battery-powered tools to get the job done. This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman, the MLB playoffs. And I'm telling you what, these playoffs in baseball, it's been great theater. It's been a lot of fun. Football and to bubble or not to bubble. The NHL and NBA did it right. And Drew visits with Vic Lombardi from Altitude Sports. I used to be a ball boy for the Denver Nuggets. I was my favorite team growing up. I, I have a fine, I just, just a passionate part of my heart that I'm, I'm, I'm as much a Nuggets fan as I am an employee. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman. It is episode number 66 the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brown. Did you know that, Drew? We are 66. We are Route 66. And does Route 66 go through Alabama? Because in my mind, I have a little Leonard Skinner going, sweet home Alabama. Why? I have no idea, other than I heard it earlier today. And I do have it on uh, several of my playlists. You do? I don't know. I actually don't know where Route 66 is. I know it exists. Uh, Route 66 is out west. Doesn't it kind of go through Arizona? The Southern California. Yeah. How's it going? Uh, it's going well. Um, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm really good. I uh, know that you're loving these playoffs, by the way, even though our beloved Rockies are not in it. Doesn't mean that we're not seeing some exciting baseball out there. You know, the NBA is done. We're going to get to that. And the NHL is, is done. They crowned a Stanley Cup champion with Tampa. And of course, the Lakers won the NBA championship. And it worked. It was good theater. And I'm telling you what, these playoffs in baseball, it's been great theater. It's been a lot of fun. We've had walk-off homers. We've had great individual performances. Uh, the only thing, just like all the other sports that it lacks, is, you know, there's no home field advantage, no home court advantage. Um, and, and there's no fans, though. In the World Series, there will be some fans. How many fans are, will be there? Did they announce that? I, I think they did, Julie. Don't hold me to it. I don't know if it's 25 percent or it's like 10,000 fans in, in Globe Life down in Arlington, that new stadium. Uh, I can't recall, but there'll be a smattering of fans, uh, which is great, which which is awesome. 
Uh, to the players, it, may, it must seem like, oh, my gosh, this is a full house after playing in front of cardboard cutouts uh, all year long. But the quality of play, the quality of play has been legit. And I got one for you, Julie. Sure. You know, some people, with particularly with baseball, have said, well, will this season's champion come with an asterisk because they played only 60 games and – Again, there was no home field advantage, yada, yada, yada. There was an expanded playoff field. And for me, I'm going to fall in line with um, some others that I've heard point out. And these are these have been, you know, ex-players that have, you know, played for a long time. And I think it may actually be, forget the asterisk, this may be the, the most difficult championship to attain because it was a 60 game season you couldn't really afford to have a slump and work your way out of it as Washington did a year ago when they started and they were you know 19 and 31 after 60 games or 50 games that would be Mm -hmm. and then to overcome all of the protocols and and have to make sure that you you know you never went out and adhered to all that it's probably a more difficult and arduous championship and and I would agree with that. Yeah, I think it will only have an asterisk to the people where their teams didn't win. I guess we're all going to know uh, it was a different kind of season, but somebody's got to win, right? And somebody's got to overcome. Like you said, there was a, a lot to overcome this season. When I look at the teams that are still left, uh, there's a number of stories here. I still, I, you know, I know there's no fans. I still think that Houston got um, a pass as far as fans go. And I am, I am one of those people that is very much rooting against them. Are you? Well, you're not alone. I mean, no. it's, it seems like most everyone uh, it's in vogue to root against them. Well, I'm not, I don't know if it's in vogue. I mean, I think it's just kind of nobody likes cheaters, right? Yeah. Um, and, and people wanted them punished more severely. I under, I do understand that. And believe me, Uh, As hard a game as baseball is, if you have an idea of what's coming, Uh it's still a hard game, but it makes it a little bit easier. The one thing I will say in the defense of the roster they have is that they are still really talented. I don't for one moment think that Bregman or Altuve or, you know, any any of the Correa, Springer, I mean, they have a they have a fabulous lineup. And was it advantageous when they received that information? Absolutely. But guess what? They're still really, really good. Right. And you know, we we've said even though they didn't have a great regular season, the 60 game season, um, they're they're making a lot of noise because they have a lot of talent. Do you find yourself being a Braves fan? I find myself I've rooted for the Braves because you know, I root. I root for people I like, and I and I really like Dave Roberts. Um, you know, he he's somebody that I, I respect a lot and have a, a nice professional relationship with, and um, he, he's a terrific guy. It's easy to be in Colorado or probably any other uh, city in the division and root against the Dodgers. They're the you know the what is it? The, you know, they're the elephant, right? Mm-hmm. You know. You, you, <laughs> they're the beast. Yeah. Um, so it's easier to root against. But the, what I was warming to, and I, I texted with him the other day, is is Walt Weiss is a friend, and and I love Walt, and he's down there as a the bench coach with Atlanta, and he shared with me, he said, because the, uh, they're fun to watch. And I said that to him, and, and he texted back, and he said, you know what, they love to play. And it comes across 
that way through the television screen. That this Atlanta Brave team um, really enjoys playing, and they have some, you know, you know, fun guys and really obviously gifted guys on that roster. I will say this: I'm also. It's hard not to root for Tampa. They're 30th in payroll. And it's not just one year. Every year, they're very competitive. So it proves that you don't have to have the Yankees payroll or the Dodgers payroll or the Red Sox payroll to be good. And they've done it since Andrew Friedman left for Los Angeles. So I'm a big admirer of what Tampa's done. When we tape this podcast, Tampa leads their series three games to two, and the Braves lead their series two games to one. With your magic uh, ball here, would you say that it's going to be Tampa Bay and Atlanta, or do you see one of those teams, Houston, or do you see the Dodgers coming back and really making a series and actually come back and win one of these? Well, I, th- I think you know Tampa all of a sudden is going to be a little bit tighter. You know, you had a three love lead, and now all of a sudden it's three two after Correa hit that walk off homer. So that that really you know you have thoughts of Boston and the Yankees a few years ago when the Yankees were up three nothing then Boston came back and swept them what was that oh four on their way to winning their first title in forever um I I still will give a slight nod to Tampa and I I think this Atlanta Dodger series you know could go seven games and it's as long as Kershaw and he's going tonight as long as Kershaw you know stays upright I don't think he'll pitch again in this series, but if I, I will still give a, a slight nod toward the Dodgers, even though they were originally down two nothing. It's kind of hard not to when you look at past history. So we're still awaiting a World Series winner in Major League Baseball. We do have a champion in the NBA, which would be the Los Angeles Lakers. Which um, it's a deep team; they've got tremendous talent. Uh, it. I'm not a huge Laker fan. I think that goes back to my Nugget days and growing up in the 80s. And, you know, you're going to talk a little bit later to Vic Lombardi, who's a huge Nuggets fan growing up as well. But um, I don't know. What do you think about that series? And I think uh, that it sounds like LeBron James is, is even though winning again, he's taking a good amount of heat. It was predictable. That's what that series was. The Lakers with LeBron James and Anthony Davis had the two best players in the series with a respectful nod toward Jimmy Butler, who did wonderful things um, with Miami. Uh, and I give Miami a lot of credit for getting a couple games because early on it looked like this was going to be a you know a four-game sweep and, a, and a, almost a blowout in each one. They made it an interesting series, uh, a competitive series, uh, but the Lakers, I don't think anybody ever doubted who was going to be crowned uh, champion. What I noticed, and I don't know if you did, in the aftermath – was that LeBron, who I have, you know, immense respect for, as does anybody else who follows sports in general or basketball specifically, he alluded to being disrespected to a certain degree. And it got me thinking, Julie, that that has to be the most overrated, overused term, cliché, that we hear with athletes in baseball, in, in, in sports in general. Whether you think Michael Jordan's the greatest of all time, or you think LeBron is the greatest of all time, or you think Wilt Chamberlain is the greatest of all, whoever you put up there, it's not being disrespectful of one of the other guys. I don't think there's going to be a, a, a compilation 
of the greatest NBA players of all time, if there's five, LeBron's going to be on that list, and Michael Jordan's going to be on that list. So stop with the disrespecting. Do you think that LeBron James needs that kind of stuff to keep that fire in him? Because he certainly has made enough money. He certainly has. He's he's won a lot in his career. Is that how he's wired, that he just feels like he has to find something to keep that edge? But, you know, Julie, it's a, it's a wonderful observation. And, and I think that anybody, that can, however they can create fuel, however they can create that chip on their shoulder, even if it's real or imagined, that's fine. And perhaps that is what he's doing to already prepare himself to defend his fourth crown. Um, and, and that will be the motivating factor. If that's it, that's fine. That all well and good. <laughs> I feel, I've never looked upon him as somebody that needed some artificial reason to go out and try to compete at the highest level and to win, whether it be in December or ultimately in June. So I, I just found it humorous. I, I was a big fan of LeBron. It's impossible not to be. Uh, but that term, it, when I heard it, I, it kind of cracked me up. Yeah. yeah he's disrespectful. Well, Definitely again for the Nuggets to try and topple next season for sure. So the NBA champion is crowned. As we mentioned, Major League Baseball still looking for the World Series and to have a World Series champion. So still a lot of sports out there to bet on. Obviously, the NFL is in full swing. Knock on wood, right? That it keeps on going. The perfect time if you want to get into the game, then you can do it by the Bet Monarch app. It's so easy to do. You can do it sitting down. You can do it from your couch. You can do it at work. You can do it in your car. You can download the Bet Monarch app in the Apple App Store for Apple devices or on Monarch Casino's website, which is monarchblackhawk.com for Android devices. And here's another wonderful thing. Every wager earns comps for use in the Monarch Casino property up in Blackhawk. It's a beautiful property. It's getting better and better because they're adding on to it. If you do decide to head on on up to the uh, casino, uh, you can wager 24-7 in their sports betting kiosk. But uh, the best way to get in the game from the comfort of the home is to use the Bet Monarch app. So, Julie, I was watching both college football and the NFL last weekend, and now pretty much because of the postponements, you can watch football every day of the week. One thing I noticed that had me scratching my head is there was one of those plays where they were trying to determine whether the player actually made the catch or it hit the ground. And so the referee walks over toward the sideline, and then a couple guys march out, with masks on and hand him this uh, little monitor that he can now push his head into almost like he's taking a picture and it's 1918 and he keeps his head in there for a while. And then he emerges and, and says, uh, after further review, the ball contacted the ground. We have an incomplete pass. It'll be third down and eight at the original line of scrimmage, which is the 37 yard line. And I'm thinking, can we not have like a little bug in that dude's ear and somebody in some far off place, whether it be New York or Los Angeles or wherever headquarters are and said, you know, looks and says, Hey, Billy, no catch, man. And Billy just stands there and goes after further review, no catch. Why does he, why do they have to go over? I mean, it's like we have all this wonderful technology and then we, we move back like 40 years in technology. And it got me to one other one. And this one's been bugging me for a while. 
Julie, it's 2020, right? Yeah. Everything is a click away in yeah. our lives. You're right. Everything. Why is it that on third and five, the running back picks up four yards and, you know, two and a half feet? And we're not sure if it's a first down. And so we have to bring the chain gang out and make sure that you keep that one link right on the 35-yard line. All right, stretch it out, fellas. Stretch it out. more, A little bit more. Keep it tight. Okay. Ooh, we're short by two inches. Can we not, like, laser that across the field without bringing the chain gang out? I mean, you know what? That, does, that does seem something left over from 100 years ago. But that's exactly why – I actually still want it there. And you should understand that you make a great point, right? Because there's so much technology in sports now, but the, the first down the chains, that's such a big part of football, right? Like it's been around forever. So as baseball and baseball, you know, has a lot of traditionalists and that's why they don't want to go to a, um, you know, uh, taking the ump out of the game. They want the human elements. Maybe that's football's version of that. Even though sometimes it may not make sense, like taking the chain gang out, I don't know. That's a big deal. No, the chain gang can go. I mean, do, are they like personal friends here? Are they like, you know, Billy, Bob, and Willie? Are they like good friends here? They're going to be out of work? Keep them in the game. I, I think we can I think we can laser it at this point in time. So <laughs> just a couple of things that were on my mind. Um, you were talking about the NFL and, and now we've had a lot of, I don't know how they got through the first three weeks and there was like no positive tests. I'm, I was like, how is this possible? And now it seems like every morning we wake up and, you know, several NFL teams have been affected. Julie, are they yeah. going to get through 16 games for each team? Ooh, that's a, you know what, every day, like you said, there's something new. Um, and I think that like the head NFL doctor said when, when approached about the bubble, they, they don't, they don't want to do the bubble. Now I know it's a bigger deal than because the roster is so much bigger, but the NFL and the, uh, I mean, the NHL and NBA did it right. Right. I mean, I know it was difficult, but, um, I don't, I don't know with games being postponed and the Broncos even had their, their taste of that. I don't know if you saw this. I thought this was interesting. And this gosh, just has a chance to, I think, be pretty impactful. The NFL releasing today that they're going to follow a policy that requires all the players and staff members to isolate if they experience COVID-19 symptoms, even if they're negative, Drew. So with flu season coming up, if somebody has a cough or somebody has the chills, but they don't have COVID-19, they're still going to be required to isolate. Do you know how many people that could, players that could knock out of games? It goes back to something that many uttered at the start of the baseball season because football is trying to mirror baseball because baseball was not in a bubble. Baseball traveled. Yeah. And there were a number uh, of players and, and front office personnel who correctly uttered that the team or teams that manage the protocols the best and stay away from, you know, any sort of situation where you could uh, expose yourself to the virus potentially are going to be in a much better place um, to make the postseason. As it turned out, virtually every team played 60 games. St. Louis 
would have played 60 and, and Detroit would have played 60 if they needed to play that double header on Monday. Uh, but they didn't need to. St. Louis was safely in. Detroit was safely out. Uh, so they did it. But I, I think it's the same thing with the NFL, Julie, to simplify it. The teams that are able to stay the healthiest, and we normally associate that with not having key players get hurt in a violent game. Now we're talking about key players getting hurt and or key players getting uh, the virus. Huge, or, huge. But not even the virus. Like I just read that story that even if they get the flu, you know, or like a, a cold, that they're going to have to isolate. So let's say they get it on Saturday, that they wouldn't be able to play on Sunday. Yeah. So, so you add another thing. So it's, you know, it's the virus. It's, it's not getting your knee blown out. And it's also not catching a, a bad cold that will keep you out. Yeah, that, uh, that's going to be interesting. Another thing that uh, is interesting, I love your guest this week for Ideal Home Loans. I used to work with him at Altitude on TV and radio. You had a chance to sit down with Vic Lombardi. Most sports fans are well aware of Vic's work. He worked at KCNC and also did a, does a lot of work at Altitude. He is a fun, fun interview. You did a two-part interview with him. Here's interview or the part one of your interview with Vic Lombardi, brought to you by Ideal Home Loans. Well, it's always good to catch up with an old friend, somebody who's been in this business almost as long as me. I won't say Vic as long as me because that would make you my age, and I know I've got a couple on you. Well, Drew, I grew up watching you, so that should settle that debate right now. (laughs) Damn, you didn't have to go there, did you? (laughs) I did. You know, as a matter of fact, I remember when I was a kid, didn't you first start, like, in the mountains somewhere doing some some mountain cable operation? You know, I tell I tell people when they ask, you know, how you know you and I both have the good fortune of trying to help younger people get in the business, et cetera. And you're you're absolutely right. I started my first job was in Aspen with a uh, with KSPN TV that was on in Aspen and Bale, but it was also on the cable systems or several of them down here, where obviously where you grew up. And I didn't realize that you've never told me that. So you so you were the one watching. I was the only one. You were the only one. Because you know how it was back in the day. If you wanted to get into this business, which I did, I aspired to since I was a kid, you, you had your sight set on anything that was available. And I saw that there was something going on in the in the Rocky Mountains, in, in, in that failed Breckenridge area, and I said, holy crap, there are jobs up here. How can I get one? So I do remember that. I, I, yeah. You know, you, have, you used to be able to have to climb the ladders, and now the ladder is right in front of you on your laptop or computer. So it's a lot different these days. No, it's, it's, changed, it's changed tremendously. And I was really lucky in that I, w- I went out to Aspen to see a buddy to ski with him the year before. So I was still in college. And I saw on Main Street, there was a television station, just like you. I mean, I, that's what I was studying. I knew what I wanted to do. And I, I stopped in and I figured there's no way they do news up here. Because when, you know, when we started, I mean, you had a long career as an anchor. I, I initially was anchoring. That's kind of how you did it. You didn't think of anything else. I, I segued, obviously, to the play-by-play side. But um, they did. And lo and behold, you know, after sending my tapes the next year all over the place, I, I got a lucky break because there's not a, there's not a lot of better small markets to start in than Aspen, Colorado. So I feel. Are cool. you kidding me? Yeah, I mean, you, you weren't eating out of trash cans. If you were, it was gourmet food out of Aspen trash cans. That's for sure. Yeah, exactly. I'm now I wasn't making jack, but I I to to help to help finance things. I got a job training people at the Aspen Club. It also gave me somewhere to work out. But that was pretty cool because literally, wh- whoever you saw in there, Vic, 
if you thought it was that famous person, it was, whether it was Jane Fonda or Arnold Schwarzenegger or Reggie Jackson. It was like a who's who. It was pretty wild. Drew, my first job, speaking of not making anything, my first job out of college, I, I was hired by the ABC affiliate in uh, Elkhart, Indiana, right outside of South Bend. I was working as an intern there. And then they told me, hey, do you want to stay on uh, full-time and be our second sports guy? And I said, sure. How much are you going to pay me? This was 1991. Uh-huh. And they said, we'll pay you fourteen five. And I swear to God, I said, are you sure you're going to pay me that kind of money? I was like, I thought I was the wealthiest man in the world. I called my parents. I said, they're paying me fourteen five drinks and dinner on me for the rest of the year. I right? had no idea how little fourteen five lasted. But I was so happy. You know, we we all have stories like that, and I'll and I, I you were so you were my first year out. I got the job in Aspen in the end of 1985. I arrived in Aspen the final day of '85, New Year's Eve. That that's a story I'll tell you some other time. Uh, first night, I'm at some party. I'm like, what am I doing here? I mean, it was crazy. But um, my they 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 said they were going to pay me. What the heck? They were going to pay me twelve hundred a month, and then I got there, and they go, "We can't pay you that. We'll pay you eleven hundred, which computed to like thirteen something." And my after taxes, my two week paycheck was three hundred ninety three dollars. Don't ask me why I remember that, but I do. Oh yeah, oh yeah. 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 You know that's back when uh, you had to be very careful. Hey, now that's a little different. Now we can go buy the expensive orange juice at uh, King Supers, but back then, man, I, I, yeah. I think I lived out of a Texaco across. The that's right, you know, eating. More with Vic in a moment. We've got to tell you about my friends at Ideal Home Loans. They have been at it for 20 years in terms of loaning money to people who are buying new homes, first-time homeowners, people who are refinancing, or perhaps people who need to consolidate debt. Uh, they're very attentive. They listen carefully, and they're going to put you in the best product uh, for what you are looking for. Whether it's a short-term situation or maybe it's a long-term, it's the house you never want to leave, they're going to listen and they're going to provide you with the best services possible. Give Ideal Home Loans a call, 303-867-7000, 303-867-7000. Brent Ivinson's team is terrific. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, 303-867-7000. Now more with my conversation with Vic Lombardi. Let me ask you this. So you you always aspire. You grew up in town and, and you go to Notre Dame and you always aspired to get in the business and, and you moved um, very quickly. Um, I want to ask you, when you when you thought about this business, was it what you felt it would be initially? And then we'll kind of move forward over the last 30 years. Yeah, it was initially. It was, um, you know, listen, I. I wanted to be a television sportscaster since I was in eighth grade, since I turned on the television here in town and I saw the likes of uh, Ron Zappolo, Tom Green, Les Shapiro, and, of course, and then you came around a little bit later. And, and that's just what I wanted to do. <clears throat> so, um, and I wanted to do it here in Denver. I, I never had any dreams of doing it, you know, nationally or in other cities. I just, you had to go to other cities to get back to Denver. So um, I knew this is what I wanted. I just didn't know how to get there, Drew. And when I was in school, I did a little bit of everything. You know, I did some radio play-by-play. I wrote for the paper. I worked for the sports information department. And I just sort of dipped my toes in every single portion of media 
hoping to get back to square one, which was uh, television broadcasting. And eventually it worked out. But, yeah, long story short, it was everything I thought it would be and then something. It's harder than I thought it would be, to be honest with you. When I was a kid, thinking, oh, yeah, just go up there and start talking. That's not that easy. No, I, I, I yeah, we can discuss that at another point. I think there, there's a lot of people that – uh, I, I've actually had people, Vic, you're not going to believe this. I've had on a rare occasion, people say, hey, do you use a teleprompter? And so <laughs> and, and, and you and I have known each other a long time. You know, I'm a, I'm a New York wise ass. So I said, yeah, absolutely. I just read, hey, double in the gap, um, triple off the wall, pop to short, and then the inning's over. It's funny that the teleprompter, there's a certain art, though, to reading a prompter. When I worked at Channel 4 for all these years, you know, we had teleprompters because – that's how television news is done. The teleprompter, the director sort of understands what story to go to. You understand the pace to go to. When I left Channel 4 or 5 years ago, I have not used a teleprompter since. Everything is done, you know, top of mind, which is, is a preference for those of us in this business, but it is what it is. It's funny. When you read a prompter now, Drew, don't you find it difficult? I do. It's very difficult to me. You're absolutely right. There's an art to doing it. Um, it's been so many years. Every once, I can't remember the last time I, I, I did so. Um, but you know the difference between somebody who reads a prompter for a living and and people who get good on their feet. And you know, a lot of times, um, you know, anchors. I'm not taking a shot at any anchors because there's a talent to that. Um, but if they take that away and you just ask them, hey, tell us what happened in this particular story, it, it's it's a chore for them because they're not used to thinking extemporaneously and speaking in that fashion. Yeah, and, and when you're doing television news, you, you can't be wrong. So I understand why. I mean, factually, yeah. you have to have everything. You know, when you're doing sports, yeah, whatever, double to the gap. Yeah, if you mess that up, it's okay. Nobody gets hurt. You better not mess up names and uh, criminal allegations and homicides; those are right. things you cannot foul up. No, yeah, absolutely. And there's a and there's a timing issue. You can't you can't turn a you know a thirty second read into uh, you know a fifty second thing. By the, by that by that time, you get the sports and they say, Vic, you got forty five seconds." In, in, in it. So, you know what though? Here's where it really it's changed dramatically. But one of the things, and when Zap was doing it, and Shapiro, and you were you were always. At the ballpark, because that's what I did. I had transitioned to, as you know, to doing play-by-play, and I'm doing the Nuggets and, the, and then obviously the Rockies. And I would see you guys all the time. You Because you, if you get in sports, I know how much not only you love sports, but you're like me, you still like playing. So you want to be where the action is. So you do a 5 o'clock you know, and, and say, hey, Nuggets got a big game against the Lakers tonight, that sort of thing. I, I don't see that anymore. You never – and I haven't seen it in years. Yeah, and, and let me, you know, that's a great question, and, and it's very noticeable, and we've observed the same thing from uh, my generation sportscaster, but I'm going to defend uh, today's crop on, on why you don't see much of that. Here's why. Uh, today's young media members are being asked to do a lot more than what we did, certainly what more, more than what I did. When, when I worked at, at Channel 4, for instance, um, I wrote my sportscast. Every word was mine. Um, I helped generate the production of the show. Here's what we're leading with. I made the necessary phone calls. If there was a, a breaking story or something going on, I did that. I went to the game, you know, and I, and I did the, the interviews. I, I preferred to do the interviews. I preferred using the answers of the questions I asked. But today's sportscaster, Drew, 
has to produce the show, put it the entire show into the computer. A lot of them have to edit the show. The video, the pictures you see are done by them. A lot of them have to shoot the pictures they edit. They're shooting high school games. They're, they're, they're shooting interviews. It's amazing how much more responsibility comes with today's young broadcast journalists than when we were doing it. And I'm not saying it's the right or wrong thing. It's sort of the cost-effective thing. I think that's the way a lot of these companies are saving money. When I was at Channel 4, when I first started there, we had 13 people in our sports department. Think about that. We had 13. Okay, there was Les. There was me. There was Gary Miller. Uh, there was Marsha Neville. Uh, we had Mark McIntosh. She was on the CUB. We had three full-time photographers. We had two full-time editors. We had producers. I mean, it was right with people. Today, I don't, I'm not even sure how many they have full-time now. Most of these sports departments are dealing with three, four people. It's a completely different job because they're being asked to do more. Yeah, it, that used to be, like you mentioned, Vic, that you started in Elkhart. That was what was commonplace in real, you know, in smaller markets where, yeah, you had to go out and shoot it, maybe, you know, put it on a tripod and do your stand-up by yourself um, and then come back and edit it. I learned how to edit that way. But certainly when you get to a major market like Denver or anywhere approaching, you know, mid-sized markets, there were guys and gals whose function were to edit or to shoot that sort of thing. And that that's even changed at this level, which is, um, you know, I, I, everything has changed in the industry, but it, it is, it, it's different, man. It's completely different. Yeah. It has. And I think, you know, and I think even they will admit when you're not allowed to focus on your craft, and that is your writing, your presentation, your your sources, uh, watching the actual game, then, then your, your product is going to suffer. Um, and that's just the nature of the beast, bro. That's that's the world we live in now. Uh, you know, gone are the days where I sit there on a weeknight and I could watch a full Rocky game, I could make phone calls, I could do a lot of different things that a sportscaster does. Now i got to put that damn show together. I don't have time to watch every inning or every at-bat. And in the end... The quality makes sure it's unfortunate. Yeah, and, and the other thing is, is the reason most of us got into it were because we love sports and we love the interactions and to be to be there for the great moments or, or the you know unusual moments. And, no doubt. Yeah, that, that's why I assume, and I wanted to get to this, five years ago, you made the you know choice to leave. You know, you had a prominent spot in town, prominent spot at Channel 4, you know, doing very well there for a number of years. And I assume it wasn't one day, Vic, you woke up and said, I want to go and, and work for a regional sports network and, and try to, you know, use my versatility there. Take us through what, what that process was back then. That was a tough decision, Drew. And, and I, you know, it was a painstaking, rigorous uh, deal for me because I, I had thought about it for a couple of years. Um, and, and it, you're right, it wasn't one day I just wake up and say I don't want to do local news, because I really, and I say really, emphatically enjoyed my time at Channel 4. They treated me great, great people there. Uh, it was a great platform for me. I was leaving a job where, you know, it was a pretty, I mean, I earned a, a lot there, and, and it was a high-profile job in this market, and I enjoyed it. But I, a uh, couple things, I, I just got tired of, it became too too commonplace. Everything became too predictable. And I know it's hard to say that because every sport is different, but 5, 6, and 10 every day, 5, 6, and 10. Uh, the, the 5 o'clock was a preview show. The 6 o'clock was more of a preview and then uh, a couple highlights. 10 o'clock was just, you know, short. High. Everything was the same. Every day looked the same. 
And I had done it for 25 years at the local market. I just decided, man, I want to try something. I got to do something else to challenge myself. So that was the primary reason. The secondary reason was, I remember going to work one day, and I'm sitting home for dinner. I came home for dinner one night, and I told my son, I said, hey, wait till you see this dunk that I'm going to show on the news tonight. And he goes, you mean this one? And he showed it to me, and he had it on YouTube, and he had seen it already like 10 times. And I go, damn, you know, kids today, they don't need me. They don't need my 10 o'clock news. They don't need me. They don't need to wait around to watch this. They got it right now. It's in their hands. It's We didn't become necessary anymore. And it sort of hit me. Like, um, I I just felt like the, the, the business model was changing so fast that it was time for me to jump off. Yeah, and I get that. I, I, I fully understand that in that local news and, and, and sports on local news, is, it's sad to say this, but it's going to become obsolete because when I grew up in New York, um, and just like when you grew up in Denver, to get the highlights of the game and to hear the sound bites, you know, you had to watch, you know, Zap or, or Les or one of those guys or, you know, Steve Harms and, and, and Jim Conrad, and, and they gave you you know, what you needed, that's the only place you had it. Now you, I have my kids during games sometimes go, Hey, did you see, uh, you know, so-and-so's got a no hitter in the seventh in Toronto. I mean, they, they have it instantaneously. They have all the highlights. Well, and, and the people that don't drew, let's, let's be perfectly blunt here. Are perhaps older folks that don't have access to the technology, right? So they're waiting for the newscast and, and I have nothing against the older demo, but that's basically who you're appealing to when you're doing local news. Very few times are you appealing to young people because young people already have the news. They already have the highlights. They already they have it because it's not appointment television anymore. They can get it with a you know click of a finger. Right. Absolutely. How much fun is it as somebody that again that grew up here in North Denver? If you if you if you follow Vic on Twitter, you know he's from North Denver. Um, is it to to cover the Nuggets, who I think was your favorite team, certainly growing up? It pre, you know it predated the Avalanche arriving, but at altitude, you cover those two teams closely. Um, how neat is that for you? I think it's great. I mean, the Nuggets for me, and, and I tell people that I I, you know, I love covering the Broncos, and I have since I got here. But there's something special about the Nuggets because I used to be a ball boy for the Denver Nuggets. I it was my favorite team growing up. I I have a fine, uh, just a passionate part of my heart that. I'm, I'm, I'm as much a Nuggets fan as I am an employee of Altitude covering the team. Heck, you know, I, I remember your days calling Nuggets games and, and how I much, I, I envied your position because you got to go to all the games and you got to call all the games and it was, you were right there. Man, did I want, do I want to be in that situation? Because basketball in this town, people don't, you know, understand it. It was the Broncos and then the Nuggets. Right before all these other sports came around, the, the Nuggets were the secondary sports and they, they were pretty interesting. Back in the 70s and, and 80s, they carried a big fanfare and a big fandom. Um, and it's and they've never won a title. And they've never gotten to the NBA championship game. They've never gotten there. They got to the ABA title game, but never the NBA. So, Corey said, if the Nuggets somehow win a title, I'm done. I've seen it all. I'm good enough. Good night. See you later. Sign off. That interview brought to you by Ideal Home Loans. And I really enjoy it because I just, I really loved working with Vic because we're around the same age and we grew up um, being crazy Bronco fans and being crazy Nugget fans. And we also entered a channel four. Um, I don't know if you knew that drew when we were growing up and that was a time growing up here in Denver and, and natives would know this where being a sportscaster was a 
not that it's not a big deal now, but it was a huge deal. And sports was, I think, given a lot more time on local news. And it was the days of Les, either you watch Les Shapiro pretty much, or you watch Ron's Polo. You know, listen, I I go back, Steve Harms, Gary Cruz, I mentioned Conrad, all those guys, they they were big deals because back then, no internet, uh, no ability where your phone flashes and it says, you know, so-and-so just hit a game, fat lever, hit a game-winning shot, and and the Nuggets beat the uh, Celtics 101 to 99. There was none of that. You had to wait till 1025, and that was back, uh, you know, at 1025, they got... It was probably they came on a little earlier. They got like six, seven minutes late yeah. in the broadcast. And sportscasters, unfortunately, have become almost obsolete on the news, with all due respect to all those hardworking and talented folks who are doing it right now. But, you you know, showing the highlights, we get highlights instantaneously. We know when, when, when a story breaks instantaneously. Uh, but back then, man, that was the – the golden age, not just in our market, but in every market. I grew up in New York and, you know, after I left, you know, Marv Albert, we kind of owned things. And then Warner Wolf came along. Those guys were, Julie, I mean, you talk about handsomely paid. They were seven figure yeah. uh, news anchors. There were seven figure sports anchors. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, definitely a time to be a sportscaster here in Denver. And it's kind of cool that Vic, uh, you know, got to do, I know he loves doing the Nugget games because he grew up such a big, you know, Doug Moe fan and Fat Lever and Mike Evans. I know you guys talked about that, but um, to broadcast for the team you grew up watching is cool. I had a chance to do it a little bit when I covered the Nuggets and when Doug Moe was coaching with George Carl. I mean, that was just a very cool thing to be able to do in your career. And I know Vic just really enjoys doing that. And you can tell how much, and, and that guy, that guy is one of the hardest working people I've ever been around. I mean, he is constantly, constantly working. He loves it. Yeah, I mean, Vic, and Vic's a really talented guy. He does bust his butt, um, and, and in, the, in his spare five uh, five minutes a day, uh, he tweets out whatever is going on at that particular time. Also, uh, he's like the king of of social media, and he said on the podcast, he really he's kind of addicted uh, to it. But you know, Vic. Uh, Vic gets after it, and he he mentioned on there that he never aspired to be in you know a bigger market or or to work nationally. He just wanted to come back home, and he was afforded that opportunity. And he's had a great and long run, and will continue to have a long run uh, in the market. I used to get that question quite a bit, being from New York. Hey, do you aspire to you know to move back to New York? And maybe Julie, early on in my twenties, yeah, you know everything was a kind of a stepping. Uh, stone to to get back to New York or and to you know hopefully work nationally and you know had cups of coffee doing that but I don't remember the time where I said Colorado's my new home and I wouldn't want to go anywhere else but it's been a long I mean it's been decades where I said why would you want to go anywhere else yeah I mean, we live in such a beautiful state there's now four teams of course when you were growing up you know, it was the Broncos and the Nuggets, and that was it. You know, you have the Avalanche, obviously, and you have the Rockies who came on board in, in 93. Um, you know, not to mention some of the Olympic, you know, style sports that have, uh, you know, had moments in Colorado, whether it's World Cup skiing or, or you know, the old course classic in, in bike racing. So this has become a I go back to the international too. One of the great golf events on the PGA Tour that wasn't a major but was close. Um, so this is a, a wonderful place to be involved in sports. 
And I know in part two, it's a two part interview. Um, and I was, I got to see this firsthand after you guys are going to talk about when Vic got prostate cancer, um, how he looks at life a little bit differently. And it's um, really interesting to hear. So you guys are going to talk about that on uh, part two of the interview, which is coming up next week. And unfortunately, Drew, that brings us to the very end of episode 66. Sounds kind of hey, cool. Route, route 66 has hit a stop sign. It has hit a stop sign, yes. I know nothing about a Route 67, so we'll have to come up with something clever for next week. Julie, you have a wonderful week. What do you got going tomorrow? Um, I'm actually off tomorrow, so uh, I'm getting my hair dyed. Are you going to become a redhead? No, I'm just going to cover the gray. I took care of the gray. shaved it all off. <laughs> I didn't want to say anything. But... Have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you next week, and thanks for joining us on the uh, Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brown. And go to our website, drewgoodmanpodcast.com. See you next week. It's okay.